This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You are listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. All right, buddy, welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer, joined by Michael. Hello, everybody. I'm also joined by somebody. It's not me, is it? Yeah. No, 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 no. Co-host and co-founder of everyone's favorite Flat Earth Etc. podcast, <laughs> Mr. Kyle Jacobson. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for having me on. So I... I kind of jokingly like he posted something really interesting in the slack chat this afternoon i was like oh i'm gonna steal that for the podcast unless you want to join he's like yeah i'll be there it's like yes so yeah we're gonna go straight go straight to the source got some analysis on the arizona game that did not go well what and we'll probably go into that a little bit more even though we did the instant reaction last saturday oh gosh no that was sunday Sunday morning morning. yes Yes, it it was. was jinx Michael, man, off to a roaring start. Yeah, so we'll talk about football news. Um, wrap up the Arizona game. Um, Kyle's got some interesting thoughts on where the offense is or isn't going. Talk about our um, upcoming opponent briefly, since we don't have a preview this week, and then spend the rest of the time answering your questions, since there were plenty of them. <clears throat> That's right. And you can find us on Twitter at 23Personnel. You can follow Spencer at PuntSuck. You can follow me at Michael underscore LBK. And you can follow Kyle at underscore Kyle Jacobson. So let's get rolling. Uh, do you have uh, are you are you ready? Oh, I'm so ready. Okay, cue it up. Let's do this. He is back to pass. Pressured immediately. Kind of flings it up there. Welker takes it at the 11. He's going to try to get to the right sideline, breaks the tackle. He's got running room at the 30, the 35-40. He's the midfield, the 45-40. He may go. 25-10. Touchdown, Red Raiders. Davis Webb, the freshman. Screen. Underneath Derek Ward. Breaks the tackle. Still running. Up the sideline. Turns on the juice. Touchdown. So Harold in the shotgun from the 28. The throw goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. Oh, he breaks. Oh, he's going high. Touchdown, Red Raiders. Unbelievable. Touchdown. Oh, 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 Red Raiders. Michael Crabtree has done it. Let the scoring begin. So you all know how much I love Gus Johnson, right? I, I would have that entire clip be Gus Johnson. But I think, unfortunately, we've lost every game that he's called. Well, I'm imagining... He'll be calling the OU game. Oh, he certainly is. He and Joel Klatt. Because that's the big nooner, right? Big noon. Is that what they're calling it? A nooner? <laughs> no. Do you know what a nooner is, Spencer? 
We'll talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll fly past that one. But yeah, it, I think he'll be, I'm sure he'll be on that one, which will. Uh, I'm worried that the only outbursts from Gus we might get are when Oklahoma does something. Jalen Hurts down the sideline. Oh! <laughs> 57 yards. Uh, he passed it to himself. <laughs> For the shortest play of the game. <laughs> yeah. 57 yards. So, um, where do you want to start first? You want to start with the Arizona game or you want to start with Bowman? I think we should, uh, we should start with Bowman. Mentioning the fact that most of y'all know that our guy, QB1, Alan Bowman, is out for several weeks. Yeah, so the initial report said six to eight. Tech confirmed with the uh, very vague several. Yes. So between three and 12. Uh, about all we know is it's his left shoulder, just because that's what... That's what he fell on. That looked like that's well, what hurt. And Wells did mention it specifically in the post-game press conference. When I say he fell on it, he was he landed on it and was driven into it. Yeah. I, I didn't think it was dirty watching the play, and then I went back and was watching some of the replay of the game. I was like, okay, that ball was gone for quite a while, and the defender drove him into the ground. I'm a little salty now that he's hurt. I, I watched that too, and I don't want to put it on Shine, but I feel like Shine was supposed to cover that gap because he was back there, and he, he hesitated for a little bit before he moved on to help double-team one of the um, – it was either one of the right tackles or the right guards. I no, can't he, remember. He, I think he was going for a screen. No. No? No, he was he was blocking. And then while he had his back turned to the middle, that linebacker just ran right through the middle. Because Bowman threw it at Shine's feet. Because he was there. Yeah. He was the <laughs> eligible receiver. In because he just happened to be there. Yeah. That I don't even call, know if Shine was turned around. Yeah. And no. that call is one of those more recent points of emphasis you know, where even if you don't get to the quarterback super late, if you if they determine that you drive him into the ground or, you know, use your full body weight, it can be a flag. And it's tough to make that call. There was one in uh, an NFL game, Denver versus Chicago, where they called it and it didn't look like uh, a penalty at all. But that one, I think you definitely could make the case that Bowman was driven into the ground and maybe you'd like a penalty. I mean, that's not going to save his shoulder, but it's a gray area for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's because Mike Defee hates us. <laughs> oh man, we were we were getting into that a little bit before we started. I'm not taking the bait. <laughs> you can go to my Twitter timeline to see what I think about Mike Defee. <laughs> oh man, okay, we'll we'll try to we'll try to uh, entice you a little bit more. But <laughs> he's he's always somebody that whenever I see him refing one of Tech's games, I just prepare myself for some for some BS. There's going to be he, some stuff happening. He and Reggie. Yeah, Reggie's pretty I, I, bad. I don't even know Reggie's last name, but. When when I think it's Reggie. No, I I just wonder do they not make referee shirts in a larger size for Mike Defee? Because the dude is jacked, but like insists on wearing a schmedium. It's like do they not have that in an XL or a double XL? Well, it's even almost like a. It's almost a hybrid. I feel like the sleeves are smaller. Like, like they're real short too. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 a very small circumference sleeve. It's got to emphasize the <laughs> the guns there. But anyway, yeah, that was uh there were a couple of calls there. Sorry about the mouth click. That's <laughs> good. It's good. Uh, that <laughs> I just noticed I did that. Oh, wait, hold on. Mike Defee's arms has has their own Twitter account. Of course they do. 
It's at Mike Defee Arms. Oh. And the screenshot probably of his, his uh, avatar is from him refing um, Clemson, Alabama. And then it's got like a bodybuilder's arms superimposed on him. <laughs> flexing Are so hard. Are you sure? No, I'm not. He probably just ripped through his jersey. That's just probably one of those. Uh, it's like on the blooper reel. Okay, but check it's the that one. Halftime show. That one is not photoshopped, and it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, "What's your secret?" Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is Gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. It's fairly similar. Anyways, um, besides Defee not calling that one and then calling Coleman for refusing to listen to him, yeah, the game was not really a, an official, an officiating issue. Issue. No, there weren't any. There weren't enough calls that quote unquote didn't go our way to really affect the game. You're not going to hear me complain about the refs. Well, outside of those two plays <laughs> and what we've anymore. already said, <laughs> well, I'm not going to say like, they, they controlled the game. They inserted themselves in the game. No. I mean, it wasn't like there were a ton of pass interferences that weren't called or holding that weren't called or were called against us. I mean, the, the calls that we saw against Terrence Steele were warranted. I mean, he had two false starts and then a holding, uh, which I, I attribute most of that to just knocking off the rust on a first start. Probably. Unfortunately came against, a power five team on the road. Um, I think a lot of it, uh, you know, a, a lot of the penalties were, they were justifiable, like you're saying. And I, I felt like this whole game, our O-line seemed to be moving a lot. And there were probably a few times that they could have called a penalty and they, and they didn't. So yeah, that's so fine. Th- I can live with that. That I, I remember, discuss, I don't remember who I was talking to, but it was probably somebody in my office. There was a lineman downfield call that went against Arizona where the dude was legit like 10 yards downfield when Tate threw the ball. And I think on the very next drive, Tech had an O-line that was five or six yards downfield that didn't get called. I was like, well, probably should have gotten flagged for that one. Yeah, yeah. So, Anyways, um, we, we were going to talk about the, the 10 things post that uh, Seth wrote on Staking the Plains. Um Point number two talks about the offense. It's outside of, I would say like the offensive line. It's kind of hard to even talk about what was wrong with the offense and look to take anything from that and look forward because with the absence of Bowman, things are expected to change. Whether it's going to be watered down if you run with like a Jackson Tyner or 
it's going to change pretty drastically with a Jet Duffy. The biggest thing I think was the the offensive line was super ineffective, and I don't I don't have a way to say that and not like throw anybody under the bus, but when you have a team like Arizona that has their own media that covers them talking about how small their defensive line is able to get pressure consistently rushing three against your five or six blockers. It, you, you can't, you can't defeat eight guys dropping in coverage with five receivers or four, depending if you have the running back or tight end staying in the block. So the offensive line was a, a real point of weakness, at least in my mind this weekend. Yeah. And it was kind of counterintuitive that that was how it ended up because they they had such a successful spurt at the beginning of the game at running the ball. They were able to you know something that we talked about in our Slack chat today with with uh, well with everybody, but uh, Kyle and I talked about it some too. Was just on that third drive, Tech ran seven straight rushing plays. I think they were all for positive yardage, and. It just seemed like they could control the game that way. And they were never really able to get that going again. So, at first, I thought, wow, our our line is really having their way with, with these guys. I mean, they, I think the first series, uh, I had it written down here, the first series, you know, the linemen had two penalties. And the third series was a three and out. But then that third drive, it just it really kicked off. And you thought, okay, well, this is, this is going to go a little bit better than I originally thought. But I don't know if, if – uh, anyone really saw it kind of falling apart the way it did. Yeah. And I don't know if this is overly speculating, but you know, Bowman obviously suffered some pretty serious injuries last year and the line wasn't blocking that well in the early portion of this game before he got re-injured. But, you know, you definitely saw even when the protection was okay, him kind of falling off his back foot and rushing things, leaving the pocket. And so, you know, that, obviously had an impact on his accuracy. He wasn't nearly as accurate as we're used to seeing him. And so, I mean, yeah, you definitely struggled um, with the pass protection. Like you said, I didn't think the run blocking was too terrible. Your, your leading rusher was Armand Shine. He had 13 carries for 68 yards, which isn't earth-shattering, but that's more than five yards a pop. And, you know, that's that's good enough to keep you in a game or win a game. Um, and you kind of got away from that, and by the time – you know, you were down two scores in the fourth quarter. You know, you pretty much had to throw the ball, but kind of wish we might have seen a little more balance between run and pass earlier in the game or even in the third and early in the fourth quarter when it was still a one-possession game. I felt like you could have maybe had more success moving the ball if, if you had run it a little more often. Yeah, I mean, the, the Shines, probably half of his carries were on that third drive, or pretty close. I think he had five or six just that yeah. drive. And if he only ended up with 13, that's – I mean, there wasn't a whole lot left that he was able to, to carry for the rest of the yeah. game. Yeah, I'd have to look, but I think it was nearly all in the first half. Yeah. So, on that third drive, Armand Shine had two, four, six carries in a row. And then Sir Roderick Thompson had one. So, that was a, a seven runs in a row and then Bowman through that interception. Yeah. The one pass of that drive. Which, I, you know, I'm not trying Hindsight, to – Hindsight – don't throw that pass. Right. I'm not trying to, to – <laughs> we're not trying to bury Bowman or anything like that, but that was a that was a, a bad pass or a bad communication with his wide receiver on the right. I'm assuming it was Vasher. I don't know for sure. Could have been Carter, but I don't remember Carter being out there very much. Uh, I don't – if he caught a pass, I don't remember it. Um, but there wasn't 
I mean, Vasher was at the 15. Right. While the ball was in the air. And that ball was clearly headed toward the end zone. It was caught in the end zone, yeah. Yeah. So I, and, and he was stopped. It was almost like he he, I, he didn't know he was going to throw it at all or they were just completely running different routes. So, Kyle, the, the point that you were bringing up was the offense over the middle, if I'm correct, right? Yeah. So what were you seeing as, as what was happening with the offense and what was – what Bowman was or was not doing. Yeah, it just seemed to me, uh, really not just the Arizona game, but the first couple games, there wasn't a whole lot um, in the passing game over the middle, like you know, slant routes, post routes. Um, a lot of it was directed um, toward the sideline, and you know, Vasher's your main outside receiver. Of course, a lot of the passing game goes through him, but you know, there wasn't a whole lot to the tight end and um, a bunch that was going to those H receivers like um, Mannix and, and Rigdon was uh, a lot of screen passes. And so I took a glance at um, passing plays over the middle, and I'm defining that as uh, either between the hashes or near the hash kind of working in. So even if a guy caught it like two yards outside the hash, but if he's running a post route kind of angling in, we consider that over the middle. So I realize that's a little bit arbitrary, but by my count, uh, Tech only attempted seven passes over the middle. And I should also clarify, this is like downfield, so not like a screen pass where the running back happens to catch it on the hash mark, but like more than five yards downfield over the middle. Uh, Tech threw it seven times. All seven were completions, and they went for 140 yards. So the main one was the Mannix seam route where he took it you know, inside the 20 for our second score. But Thompson had a 15-yarder over the middle. Um, I think Vasher had a slant of some sort that got you 10 or 15 yards. And so whenever you did go over the middle, it seemed to work pretty well for you. Um, it worked really well for you. Um, but for whatever reason, uh, I think Bowman had 50 pass attempts. So the other 43 were either short game, you know, screens or checkdowns or directed toward the boundary. So I'm not sure why more of the offense wasn't channeled through the middle of the field, but seemed to be when you were running those kinds of routes that you were finding a lot of success. Believe it or not, last week, after watching the Hawaii highlights, Hawaii threw it over the middle a lot. And they, they were, you know, they were open. They, they were making progress with that. And I actually mentioned that last week on the podcast of, hey, what if we try that? What if we try getting, because it seems like most, most things that, uh, most of the passes that were, and if it'd be kind of fun to go back and look at Montana State and UTEP, but most of those passes were kind of in the same vein as this week, just a different version of it. It was a lot of fades and a lot of you know checkdowns to the running back from the backfield, or then a, you know seven passes on a you know a quick slant or a drag or something over the middle, and those were successful, but. Tech just kept getting away from him and getting away from him, and I, I don't know if that's if that's part of the game plan or if that's part of the quarterback just trying to do too much. Or yeah, there's a matchup on the outside that he just thinks is you know our receivers really are dominant on the, whoever's guarding them. Uh, but I, I know that there's a lot more danger going over the middle uh, for your receivers. They can really get they can get slobber knocked pretty good they can get hurt just flat out hurt so maybe that's a focus too is is to have that taken away but it seems open it it yeah. seems like a, a good option to look for especially if you're going to have a, 
um, a less, well, I don't know, Duffy's pretty experienced, but if Tyner's in there, he's definitely less experienced. A less experienced quarterback in there making throws, you may want him to make those seven, eight-yard throws. So to, to play a little bit of devil's advocate, I think when we were when we were on the the pregame show, um, we talked about we wanted we wanted the offense to be explosive, and I think we were going back and, and referencing uh, quotes from Alan Bowman in the postgame press conference from two weeks ago against UTEP, and then that Monday press conference saying that Arizona's going to play a lot of man to man defense. Bowman said he wanted to get better at throwing deep down the field, um, and we were excited about that prospect, and then. What showed up on Saturday night was it not being effective. No, and I don't know if they tried it too much. Uh, so they they did what we wanted them to do, and then we're like, no, yeah, y- y'all don't stop do that. doing that. <laughs> stop. <laughs> you'll no listen more. too well. You'll listen too well. And the other thing that that Kyle brought up was also the the balance in the offense. Um, and it's something we we also talked about. We had a little uh, little I guess group chat this evening before we we got on. Um, that I guess Seth will post a little bit later this week about the offense was sold to be a balanced offense that Yost and, and Wells had previously done almost 50, 50 run pass splits. Um, and then Kyle, you, you pointed out on first down, um, Texas tech ran it eight times, but on 27 other times they threw it. Yeah. Um, like I said, you know, Armand Shine was averaging about five yards a carry. And for whatever reason, at the beginning of a series of downs, you know, we were, I guess, about three times more likely to pass on first down versus run it. And so, yeah, on eight of those series that uh, you started with a run play, you converted to another first down at least six of those times. Um, and then on the 27 series that you threw on first down, you converted to another first down 18 times. So, Overall, I mean, um, comparable success, but um, at least a couple times that first down play was an incompletion that was salvaged by a good run on second down, like an eight-yard run that set you up on third and short or a 10-plus yard run that gave you a first down. Um, So that was a little bit confusing. You know, again, you weren't um, gashing them with the run, but it was good enough that I felt like you could have leaned on that more to give you more second or third and shorts. and maybe set up play action. Um, if you are, if you do want to throw it, if that's where you feel like you can really earn your money, you know, suck the defense in, get more guys into the box, and then throw it. But I didn't think we ran the ball nearly enough to strike a good balance there. Um, yeah, and, and I was gonna say, you never really were were out of the game in terms of like having to throw until Arizona scored their last touchdown, and then and then they were up two scores with five minutes to go or whatever it was. Yeah. And until then you either like you were within a score, whether you were up or you were down by just one score being down six points against Arizona is not a time to throw the playbook out the window. I'm like, okay, we're just going to throw every down cause we, we have to score now. Yeah. And there's so one more kind of tidbit just going off of that. So not just the Arizona game, but all three games combined, Texas tech has faced third and long. So third and seven to nine yards, uh, nine times and they've not I, th- I think they converted three of those nine and then they've faced uh, third and longer than nine another nine times and they're zero for nine so finding very little success on third and long and I again felt like you were just kind of digging yourself in a hole by throwing it early in the series on first and second down 
And instead of giving yourself a manageable third and two, third and three, you know, you you were facing third and seven, third and nine or longer. Um, so I think a lot of drives kind of stalled out um, because we weren't getting in more third and manageable situations. Yeah, the the drive that Bowman was hurt was he was third and ten. I mean, it seemed like there were a few third and tens throughout there because it. I know on that drive it was uh, it was just a a four. Nope, it was a five pass drive. But there were three runs thrown in there too. So there were, you know, it was an eight play drive, but you end up third and 10 and they're just bringing everybody. And that seemed to be the thing they would do third and long. They would pressure him. They'd pressure the heck out of him. And then he would, he would throw an incompletion or maybe an interception or something. They, they were able to just uh, bombard our offensive line and just get through and, and get to him. Yeah, and so as we were talking about these these drives and, and everything like that, we were or I'm looking at the the chart on ESPN, and it just goes back and reminds me of how many combined drives there were in the first half. Because you as Texas Tech had ten possessions in the first half, and you had four in the second half. Like the it, it's a good like two thirds, one third in terms of like how many times the ball changed hands in the first half. Granted, there were like five turnovers. I was about to say, like, quite literally changed hands. <laughs> yeah. Six plays. But but you had good field position. I mean, you had sort of a lot of drives, you know, on the 40-something yard line or even a couple, I think, in Arizona's territory and just couldn't capitalize because of ineptitude on offense. Uh, yeah. So where do you see this offense going in terms of like – starting quarterback and then does it stay the same or do we see a shift not to what like a, a completely rpo system like kansas did but a shift in like a, almost a complete shift in philosophy like we saw from kansas this week where they ran almost a completely different style and put up 50 points on the road so who wants to tackle that one first i michael does i think that well it, it depends on who's going to start and it sure looks like tyner just just based off everything we've seen. Tyner worries me a little bit. Obviously, his his stats at, at Rice were not, you know, the most jaw-dropping or anything. He ended up with, let's see, I had it on here. Uh, for his uh, career stats, he threw in 2018, he threw 20 passes, and he completed nine of them. And that's it. So I'm, I'm not super excited about the aspect of him running the offense, but I'm thinking that they're not going to change a whole lot if he comes out there. I think we're going to see almost a very similar offense because that's what they've been practicing all offseason. You know, every, everything about it, it has been exactly what they've done so far in these first two games. Now, I would kind of like to see them change it, but I could see them just sticking with it possibly hopefully addressing the middle a little bit um but i mean that's just kind of what i think they might do yeah i'm i mean after everything we just discussed i would hope that they would lean on the run more especially with a backup quarterback i mean if throwing the ball with alan bowman 50 times a game doesn't yield any good offensive results then i mean no offense to any of the other guys on the roster i can't imagine that would be any better of a recipe with a backup quarterback 
Um, but, you know, having said that, defenses know that they're facing the backup, and so they're probably going to key on the run even more. And so I think it's going to be harder to run the ball, which means it's going to be harder to set up the pass. And, I mean, you might unfortunately find yourself in more of these third and long scenarios. Um, I don't know if this is doable midseason. I, I would like to see a, a shift to – I think Duffy might be a better long-term solution while Bowman is out because of the threat that he is on the ground. And if you can kind of tweak this offense to make the quarterback a running threat, you know, along with the running backs and kind of lean on run first, um, that might be your best chance to find some success while Bowman is out. Um, Like I said, that's hard to do midseason, but I guess in that respect, the bye week is coming at a good time. Um, If you are going to have to make some drastic shifts, having a weekend off to get that sorted out would help. So I'm not sure what to expect out of Tyner because we've seen so little of him and i I have a hunch that he and Duffy will kind of split, maybe not 50-50, but maybe they'll have some packages for Duffy if they do want to run the ball a little more. So I'm not totally sure what we'll see. Um, I'm not super encouraged, but I am certainly open to being proven wrong. Yeah, in, in Utah State, they they had good success with Jordan Love, who was a mobile guy. They could be able to just come up with something that they've already used in the past or something similar, kind of a, like you said – like the Duffy package to install here and there, maybe a series or, or, uh, or whenever, but I, I would like to see Duffy get out there too. Personally. I, I think despite the, the turnovers and, uh, some of the other issues that he's had, he's played by far the most, uh, D one football, of at that position than anyone who is healthy on that roster. And so I think that gives him a lot of weight to be able to just command the field and command the offense and deal with the crowd and deal with everything that comes with it. So another another Utah State quarterback that I would point to would be Chucky Keaton, who is currently on staff at Texas Tech as a graduate assistant. Like he's one of the guys that signals in the play on the sideline. He's wearing the the colored polo and like the neon hat. He's one of them, um, and he was a wildly successful dual threat quarterback for Utah state. And I've got to just really quickly, I mean, career, he rushed for 1400 yards and 16 touchdowns. Now he played five years, but all five of those years were under either Gary Anderson with Matt Wells on the offensive staff or Matt Wells as a, as a head coach. So he's, he's done this. Matt, Matt Wells has done. He's rolled with a dual threat quarterback before and, sure. and found a lot of success and, I think it would help if we're if we're going to roll with with a Jet Duffy that you've got a guy like Keaton already on staff that could kind of guide him or take him under his wing a little bit and say, "Hey, let's let's do this." Yeah, I I mean Duffy's a guy that sure there's a risk there, but I mean his his overall stats from last year, I mean they're not they're not terrible. He he played eight games. Um, let me see what he had here. He was 97 for 145 mm. against Big 12 opponents. Oh, against Big 12 opponents, yeah. I was like, he was 104 for 154. 67% completion, uh, just under 12, all right, 1,128 passing yards, eight touchdowns, five interceptions, three rushing touchdowns, and another three fumbles lost, I believe. Yeah, that was... Like you said, that was for Big 12 competition. So that could be realistically what 
we might be looking at here. But even if his stats are expanded out beyond the Big 12 games he played in, it's pretty comparable to that. He still had 68% completion. Uh, you know, he had, a, I think, 7.9 yards per pass. Is that per attempt? Yeah. Which is, what, like three yards higher than we've seen with uh, Bowman so far? Right. That seems crazy high right now. I I think that's that's our best bet, but I'm, I'm not sure if that's what they'll end up doing. I have no idea. No, I have no idea. I have no read on this staff and what they would do besides having seen Tyner come in first in garbage time. You doing all right over there? I'm trying not to burp in the mic. So. Oh, okay. That's <laughs> for everybody's benefit that I didn't do that. Um, and when you look back and, and compare it, um, Duffy to Bowman in Big 12 play. I mean, they, they completed about the same. Uh, Bowman was 68% to Duffy's 67. Bowman had more passing yards. He had 1,500. Um, but he was either neutral, like zero, or negative rushing yards where Duffy led your team in rushing yards last season. Yeah, I forgot about that little stat. Um, Bowman had nine passing touchdowns to Duffy's eight. Seven interceptions to Duffy's five and one rushing touchdown to Duffy's three. I don't have the rushing yards, but like I said, Duffy led your team in rushing yards last season. I didn't remember them being that comparable in turnovers because the knock on Duffy was always that, you know, high risk, high reward. Like he could make some stellar plays and almost brought you back from, I think, down 28 to seven against West Virginia, almost won the Texas game. But, you know, when he made a mistake, it was a brutal mistake at a really bad time, you know. And so I'm I'm a little bit surprised to see that his turnover rate really wasn't that much worse than Bowman's. Well, I, I think the other things that, that aren't aren't shown up here are, are the fumbles and fumbles lost. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I don't think Bowman had any fumbles lost. Or if he did, he had one. Whereas Duffy was really loose with the ball when he ran it. And I think they did uh, – he did have – um Oh gosh, I don't know, four or five fumbles. I think he lost three of those. So yeah, last year he led the team in rushing. He had 369 yards. He had second most attempts at 79. Um, if you if you don't count Keyshawn Carter in terms of average per per rush, he was second on the team behind Demarcus Felton, 4.7 yards and four rushing touchdowns. It's, it still blows my mind. I forgot about that stat, how our backup quarterback was the leading rusher. Who only played half the season. And still had less than 400 yards. And, uh, see, I think that might be – I'm not saying there is a definite recipe for success, but maybe your most likely is, you know, putting Duffy at quarterback. He runs it 10 or 15 times between the three running backs, you know, give them 35, 40 carries and, you know, try to lean on the run for – 60 or 65 percent of your offense I don't know if that's feasible or not but to me at least right now that kind of seems like the best way forward sure because I I feel that tech has a defense that's capable of slowing people down and stopping guys and Jordan Brooks is just a terror out there oh for sure 13 tackles I think they were all solo tackles against Arizona three tackles for a loss out of those 13 uh Coleman I think had 10 these guys were they really played their tails off. And then, I mean, I think everybody kind of saw that 99-yard drive coming because it was just terrible timing. 
into the game, they'd already been out there a lot that second half because, like we just talked about, there was only four offensive possessions that Tech had in that second half. And so defense was out there a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think the time of possession only favors Arizona by five minutes, so it's not much. But I bet you – the second half is maybe 10 minutes or so. It, I think it I think was, it was like, a, like a 20 to 10. Yeah, I think it split. was almost double in that second half, and it's 1.30 in the morning. And I, I just saw it coming, but I wasn't disappointed in it. I mean, I just thought these guys are gassed. This is terrible timing for us to have to stop a 99-yard drive where they ran it 17 times in a row, including the next drive. So all that said – I I know that this defense has played some lackluster competition. Arizona's not that. Not on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, they don't have as many weapons at wide receiver as some of these other schools, but they held their own for sure. And, you know, maybe if Tech does get a running game going and they do eat some clock and they're giving this defense some time to rest, they can they can maintain that and, and keep these high-octane offenses from scoring so much. And, and give Tech a chance to, to win a 27-21 game or, you know, a 31-28 a, a game or, but, heaven forbid, a 24-17 game, something crazy. <clears throat> but that's probably not going to happen in your next game, right? Oh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> no, bold park, no bold proclamations from me on, on that one. So, assuming that Bowman is out for an extended period of time, it's probably safe to say that when expectations for the season have, have changed. Yes? Yes, I would think so. I, I ran this poll because, you know, Twitter's super, super accurate and really gets the pulse of, of everyone. But I ran this poll before the Bowman news came out, and I'm not That's sure yeah, who voted <laughs> when, because I, I had it run for a couple of days. But uh, basically, my poll was a little bit different from the question you just asked, but I asked, uh, I just pointed out that, and this is kind of sobering, Texas Tech's last Power 5 win was against Kansas on October 20th of last year. They'll have four chances to notch another Power 5 win before a year passes between OU, OSU, Baylor, and Iowa State. And my simple question was, will they? Will they win one of those games before a year passes, before they've won a Power 5 game? And the votes ended up 43% yes, 57% no. And I think the majority of that was cast before Bowman's injury. So that may have been skewed light, slightly more to the no. Had had I posted that, you know, about eight hours later. But as far as just overall win expectations for me, I had us at five and seven. I don't really want to drop to four and eight, but I'm thinking about it. It, it does really make you think twice. I And I don't want to say, well, I'll, I'll know more after the OU game. No, I don't think we will. No. <laughs> I think we're just going to go to Norman and get out alive, get out healthy, come back home, and see what we can do against Oklahoma State. I hate to be that guy, but that's that's where I think we are. And I would kind of think, no, I would think that whether Bowman was healthy or not. But as far as my expectations, I think I'm going to keep them about the same. Uh, but now those games, you know, like the TCU game worries me more than it did before. Um, so the remaining wins on, on the schedule that you had predicted 
We're at Kansas, at West Virginia, and home versus TCU. Yeah, that's the one that I'm kind of backing off a little bit now. And who knows? Kansas put 48 on Boston College. West Virginia rolled whoever they played. I forgot who it was they NC played. NC State. Yeah. Who Tech plays in a few years, I think, mm-hmm. in a non-con. So I, who knows now? I've got no idea. But I think my expectations, just for sanity's sake, is probably going to stay for five wins right now. What What about you guys? Are y'all going to... Are y'all are y'all throwing in the hat and going? In, oh, it's this is it. We're not going to win another game. So, or? Uh, my prediction of seven and five before the Bowman news looked awfully rosy. I was like, oh, uh, that was was quite uh, optimistic there, especially when I was predicting or I was thinking you had a good shot at Oklahoma State, uh, at Kansas, at West Virginia, home versus TCU, and home versus Kansas State. So those are the five remaining wins I had on the schedule. Um. I think we'll know a whole lot more about Oklahoma State, but I, I don't think you've got a, a great shot right now for them. Um, I also was thinking I, I was really low on Kansas State, and they're starting to to prove otherwise. Um, so that that's down to two, like that brings me down to five wins, and we'll have to see how real Kansas and West Virginia are if, if this past week was was a an outlier or a fluke or, or what? So what about you, Kyle? What are you, what are you, what are you thinking? Well, how, how do you see the rest of the season? Preseason, you know, y'all know that I'm a big numbers nerd and all of the kind of objective metrics pointed to six and a half wins, which is my way of chickening out from a solid prediction and saying you'll win either six or seven games. And after the first two, I kind of thought that was still pretty reasonable. I didn't think you looked like a top third Big 12 team that would win eight or nine, but I didn't think you'd be bottom third and miss a bowl game. So, But even even before the Bowman injury news came out, the offense looked so inept against Arizona, I was probably going to back off of that and say that you were in jeopardy of not making a bowl game. And now, especially with him out, with the uncertainty at the backup quarterback position, combined with how good everybody else in the Big 12 looked against Power 5 opponents. Like you said, West Virginia rebounded, beat NC State by a couple touchdowns. TCU beat Purdue by a couple scores on the road. Kansas State beat Mississippi State on the road. And so it's like, you know, where's the bottom of this conference? You know, it's still probably Kansas, but even they finally for the first time in a decade beat a Power 5 team on the road and I think did it by 20 or 24 points. So I don't, I'm don't. i not, I'm not all doom and gloom saying you're not going to win again, but – even Kansas, I'm not sure, is a slam dunk, especially being on the road there. You know, if they notch another win before you get there, they might be playing with some confidence and believing they can get to five or six wins for the first time in forever. And so, I I'm not sure. I think probably, unfortunately, four or five wins is about where I have them right now, unless something changes. And if that's the case. Um, you know, I think you have to kind of take the – the fans might not want to hear this, but you have to take the moral victories and look at some silver linings. And, I mean, if it's a better team in November than it is in September, you know, this season that might be all you can ask for. And So, I don't know. We'll see what happens, but I just kind of hope to see improvement. I don't want to see any quit from the team, and I want to see how the new coaching staff kind of responds to some of this adversity and if we can progress as the season goes along. Man, you're no kidding about November. That's just kind of one of those things that's hung over our heads for 
years and last year you know went on an zero and five run for the third time since 2011 you know november football has not been kind and if they're able to show just some sort of improvement then that would it'd be like you said you know moral victory whatever we can call it that if you want but i'm not saying you kyle i mean the fans that always like to throw that out there but there's something to progress. There's something to progress, even if it's not necessarily a change in who won the game. But um, there, there's definitely something to be seen and just kind of in the trenches of how, how the guys are playing, how they're moving, uh, how the scheme is unfolding, whether it's making these other offenses or defenses adjust suddenly on the fly to try to stop us or try to get past us. There, there's definitely something to that, so that's something to look for, and then try to try to find some silver lining there. That's a, that's a good thought. So your your November schedule this year at West Virginia, home versus TCU, home versus Kansas State at Texas. Currently, based on FBI, I, I think it was updated this week. You're you have a positive, more than fifty percent chance to win one of these games. It's fifty two percent. And it's on your road trip out to Morgantown. Just barely. But you, that doesn't that doesn't factor in the Bowman injury, correct? It doesn't. No. Yeah, it does not. The other games that are close, um, going back into October, uh your home game versus Iowa State, forty nine point eight. Um home versus TCU forty eight. Uh versus Kansas State is actually a little a little higher than I was expecting, forty point nine. Um, and look at, at these numbers. I I think we were undervaluing undervaluing Baylor, but the the projected win there is twenty four percent for Tech. I had I mean I had that as a loss just because that seemed well I think it just we, we both did but the, seemed right. <laughs> but the seventy five twenty five I think it was a little yeah not a wider margin than I was expecting. Right, I was expecting the the forty nine fifty one kind of thing <laughs> and the ninety three seven versus Oklahoma this upcoming game is not the really one on that surprise the one good thing about these what these stats are telling me and this is something i've i've kind of thought about too with iowa state's recent struggles that could become a winnable game uh they're, they're realizing that jakeem butler was pretty damn good and uh so was david montgomery and montgomery's running <laughs> around the nfl right now so yeah that, that might be a pretty good matchup i mean their offense yeah. has struggled and of course their defense has shut you down but i mean how many points did they score against iowa 17 Yes, and I think they had seventeen in regulation against Northern Iowa, and so that might be the game that you can pull off. You know, a sixteen to thirteen or a twenty to seventeen win. I mean, it, it, it's not easy to beat a team like that, and we've seen that the last few years. They're well coached, but you know, a lot of people had them pegged as kind of like third in the Big Twelve and maybe a sleeper to make the conference title game. But at least early on, they have not looked like that. No, no. So while their defense may slow you down, they've shown they can't field a punt. Oh, that was like Brian said. Oh, I just hated hated to see that. Yeah, I hate, just hate it's to see so it. Pitiful. It's terrible. All right, so um, your next game uh, on the road versus OU. They are also off this week. They they hit the road against uh, UCLA. Beat them forty eight to fourteen in front of fifteen thousand Sooner fans in LA. I think did did Hertz run? He ran for like two hundred yards. I know, but, but I'm thinking three hundred. Thinking first play of the game was it's it like fifty? Or something like is fifty or sixty yards on he, the first play. He has he has more touchdown passes than incompletions this year. I think it's thirteen <laughs> to twelve. 
and that doesn't include any rushing touchdowns he might have. So if we can get out of Norman with like four touchdowns and five incompletions, you could say that, you know, we did better against Jalen Hurts than any defense has so far. Yeah. That, that's got to be the goal. That's got to be what they're writing on the yeah. on the old whiteboard over the next 10 days or so. His, uh, his, his rating is 250.2. <laughs> I thought that only went up to like 100 something. <laughs> <laughs> it may only go to 100, but his is 250. Yeah, it's an A-plus student. So his um, he's only thrown 61 passes in three games. He's completed 49 of them. So he's got, you know, just over 80% completion. Um, nine passing touchdowns, says so 12 incompletions. And then, okay, so maybe that does include rushing touchdowns. I, saw, I, re- yeah, I maybe, think I read somewhere that he has more touchdowns than incompletions, so maybe that combines his passing and rushing touchdowns. Yeah, I'd imagine so. I'm trying to see. I think RG3, the year he won the Heisman, had that same stat, more touchdowns than incompletions, like into the fourth or fifth game. What do you, it's what you got here? It's an autoplay video on... <laughs> Jalen Hurts' stat page. It's the Heisman House. Thank you, Nissan. Um, Nissan, if you would like to be a sponsor of the 23 Personnel <laughs> Podcast, you can reach us by direct message. So, rushing attempts. He's got 38 rushing attempts for 373 rushing yards. That's, that can't be right. He had that in like two <laughs> games. 10 yards a carry, four touchdowns. I don't think this is updated yet. So disregard all the stats we just read to you. But he's really good. He's stupid good. Okay. So, um, but that weekend on the 28th, you will be able to hear the Countdown to Kickoff show with Rob Bro, Carson Robinson, Michael McDonald. I will not be there, most likely. Be on a, a very well-timed hunting trip. I was like, you know, if there's one game I can miss this this year. Yeah. Good call. <laughs> um, it will be two hours prior to kickoff road games and 11 a.m. Kickoffs. Uh, they will, they will fire the mics up two hours before the game. It will run nine to 11 a.m. on 1340 a.m. Talk 1340 KKAM.com or the talk 1340 mobile app. I would highly suggest streaming the show because the a.m. Signal is garbage. <laughs> Um, hurtful. Well, it's just, it's I kind of really, like it. It's old school, old it's, school radio. It's like listening to a, a phonograph. <laughs> so just real quick. Um, I wanted to check Oklahoma's schedule to see if like maybe the Texas game was right after us or somebody else good. And like, maybe our best hope is that they overlook us because they're looking ahead to next week, but they play Kansas right after us. Oh. So <laughs> we don't even have that small sliver of hope going for us. There's not going to be a, well, I mean, a we look just, ahead letdown. We were just really worried about Les Miles and what he's bringing, what he's bringing back. We have some, we have some memories. All right. So I'm, I'm excited to answer some of these questions with a, a, a guest with us. Yeah. We've got a lot of good questions. Thanks everybody for sending them in because it's the bye week and we've, we've got a, We've got to sort all this stuff out. This is the perfect time to do it. Now, are these really the questions that I was called here to answer? Who's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? I'm Ron Burgundy? Damn it! Who typed a question mark on the teleprompter? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! All right, so I'm scrolling back, and I, I have I've yet to find the beginning to our our questions. 
Do you need me to find them? I've no. got them pulled up. No, you're good. I'm almost there. Well, it also kind of, there, there was like some random Twitter interactions that are filling the note. The, yeah, because we're all friends. There yeah. are lots of friends out there. Twitter friends. Twitter friends. Okay. <laughs> Amy Nelson, is the season effectively over with Bowman out? An apparent lack of trust in Duffy as second string and the anointed second string unable to complete a pass in a live game. Uh, I, it's not okay. It's not going to end well, but there's, there's still some, there's still some chances to, you mean, you, you might sneak up on Iowa state. You might, uh, you might sneak up on Gary Patterson. That might be another like 13 to seven game, but, but yeah, I mean, she's right. He's, I think he did. He's attempted three passes as a Red Raider and completed zero. I don't think I knew that. Do you know what that works out to, like, percentage-wise? <laughs> I do. I know I the do. symbol. I'm a numbers guy, so I like to know. <laughs> zero. <laughs> a goose egg. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, I'm, a, that's I'm, an offer. <clears throat> I, I don't... Th- it really depends on how long Bowman's out and what the what the plan is at quarterback while he's out. If he's out for a couple of weeks and you roll with Tyner, I mean, one, you have a bye week. Two, you probably weren't going to win Oklahoma game. Probably it was going to be a long shot to win Oklahoma State game. And if he comes back after four weeks and misses three games, which would also which would then be Baylor, also not a good shot to win that game according to stats, you're not really that far behind your pace with Bowman being out. So him missing games, you're not you're 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 not missing like the meat of the winnable games on your schedule. And I'd I'd like to throw in that he just if if Bowman had been more effective in these first three games, I think everyone would feel a little bit more fire and brimstone, gnashing of teeth. I think everyone would feel a little bit as if okay, well, you know, our eight win season that we might have is 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 doomed. It's gone, but it just wasn't really that effective from the get go. So it's just kind of well, I don't, it's going to change things, but it, it may not change them that much. Yeah. Do you think the season's over? Um, over in the sense of marking it successful with a bowl appearance or a bowl win, I think probably. Um. But that doesn't necessarily mean all is lost. I mean, just to go back to what I said earlier, I think you can maybe hopefully see some improvement as the season goes along, see what you've gotten, some young guys that might play bigger roles next year, see what this coaching staff is made of. I mean, they're not in a make-or-break year. So um, I think most people are probably interpreting that question from the standpoint of can we still make it to a bowl game. And you could. I think it's unlikely, but that doesn't mean that it's just – a waste of a season or you can't build on it. Yeah. Brian asks most impressive big 12 team so far in terms of expectation. I, I almost want to take like, like a real easy one. It's not like, it's not that the impressive part is that they're overperforming. It's that it's, 
are they going to do this again? And it's Oklahoma. Yeah, I was thinking <laughs> that too. But because, sure, they, they came in as the favorite, and Kansas State was who came in. I mean, that's, that's really who I'm thinking of, honestly. But I, I'd considered OU in that mix too because the way they've just haven't missed a beat, it's, it's really impressive. Even expecting them to be the number one team in the Big 12 – well, probably not everybody. You know, there's probably a lot of people in Austin that didn't expect it. Uh, they were delusional, but I, I think that you've got a really good chance to see just as crazy of an offense there as you've seen in the past. And their defense seems to have shored up a little bit. They they may be even more of a force to be reckoned with this year. But yeah, but I would say between them which sounds kind of like a, like you said, like a non-answer because they're supposed to be good. Uh, and then Kansas State, just what they've been able to do this quickly mm-hmm. and and uh, on the road, you know, in Starkville and everything. Yeah, I'd, I'd say Kansas State um, relative to expectations. OU has basically done what I expected of them because, I mean, they're expected to be a playoff team and win the conference. But Kansas State was pegged like eighth or ninth in the conference. I mean, a lot of people only had them one notch above Kansas and figured with a brand new coach they'd be rebuilding, that they didn't have much talent. And they might have the Big 12's most impressive win in the non-conference slate um, going on the road and winning at Mississippi State. You know, that title probably would have gone to Texas had they beaten LSU. But So when you square that with how low the expectations were for the Wildcats, I'd probably tip my cap to them for this one. Best candy to put in the fridge. Okay, I don't have a candy that I put in the fridge. Also from Brian. Yeah, thanks. The, the Brian always has a good ones. I, I don't <laughs> have a candy I put in the fridge, but we do put Girl Scout cookie thin mints in the fridge. You're we're on the same page. I was gonna say I don't put candy in the fridge, but I put my Oreos in the fridge. Ah, uh, and like them that way kind of get some weird looks sometimes and kind of building off this one time some trick-or-treaters came to my house when I was like a bachelor in college and I didn't have candy like I wasn't prepared for the holiday and I was like I've got some Oreos in the fridge like if y'all want those and they were like yeah that's cool and so <laughs> pass out Oreos for Halloween so not a candy but I, I wouldn't have wasn't individually wrapped either you could have gotten in so no, much trouble yeah I mean th- their mom let me I was like this dude's just handing out yeah. loose Oreos it's like man. a half eaten sleeve of Oreos but they can have them she was like yeah that's cool <laughs> why are they so cold <laughs> yeah I I I don't eat Oreos cold I do dip them in, in milk though see I don't think I've like, ever tried that them. like I, I get the cookie a little, a little soft I don't think I've ever tried that, but I think I would like it. Um, Adele says, just finished the Arizona Instant Reaction podcast. Got the morning news at a Jet Duffy time. We're not sure if it is. Thoughts on that going into the bye? I think we've kind of addressed that in that he, he may or may not give you the best chance to win games, but it's going to be like, if you roll with Duffy, it's going to feel like, well, it can't, it can't get too much worse than rolling with a guy that hasn't completed a power five pass was not the starter from the school he graduated and transferred from. I mean, it, it, it kind of feels like you're going all in with Duffy and like, you're just going to roll with it. It, it. You know, you may get a 21 to three game. Yeah, but we got to live with it. I mean, you, you're rolling with a backup quarterback of necessity, not because 
number one guy is. There's no controversy here. Yeah. Um, Red Red Reset Man, where can I sign up to ban effing Mike DeFee from refing another tech game? Kyle, I'm gonna let you answer this one. Uh, I don't know, but let me know when you find out, and I'll <laughs> I'll sign up with you. Is there, there a, is there a petition.org? I was gonna ask if there was a GoFundMe or something. Uh, I literally cringe every time I see his stupid face at the beginning of a game. Also, will the bring X Martin back into the QB rotation? Will they bring Xavier Martin back into the QB rotation after this weekend? On Martin, I don't think they're just gonna change positions and teach him a completely different spot in the offense this this week and, and kind of roll with him being the fourth quarterback. I wonder I just kind of wondered that would would it make sense to at least have him take some snaps to hand off the ball just in case the worst possible scenario happens and put him in the backfield. The first two guys go down. I mean, yeah, would that would make be, any sense at all? Would he be third now? I mean, like, who's the third string quarterback behind the, Duffy and Tyner? There isn't one. Maverick McIver's hurt. Yeah, I, I would. I would guess. I think they let Martin play. I think he's a walk on, but I think they let Martin play quarterback a little bit in the spring, and so maybe he at least has a you know faint idea of what the offense is supposed to be like. So. I don't think it's a bad idea to have him as an emergency quarterback, but yeah, I don't I, expect him to take reps unless, you know, God forbid, Tyner and Duffy both get hurt. Right, especially game time reps, but it would kind of make sense to me. I, I don't know. It would kind of make sense to me if he took some sort of snaps during practice this week, even if it's just to hand it off to Shine or, or, or something just to get just the ball down the, the field. Option, man. If we're in the triple option. <laughs> uh, really quick, I'm looking up the um, – Listed quarterbacks on the roster. Shocker, there won't be very many. Um, Jet Duffy, Maverick McIver, Alan Bowman, Logan Green, Jackson Tyner. Logan Green is your walk-on freshman from Snyder. West Texas. I forgot about that guy. So, you're obviously down Alan Bowman and Maverick McIver. You've got three guys left. Jet Duffy, Logan Green, Jackson Tyner. All right, so yeah, in that case, Martin probably won't get back into that rotation. I'd imagine. Well, he's probably better suited than Logan Green. Could be. I I heard the the local sports talk show saying that this dude is still trying to figure out what's what. If we have to find out the answer to that question, <laughs> I don't really think it's going to matter. <laughs> the season is over. Yeah, that that would be uh, that'd be back to Adele's question. It would be over. We us our Briggsy asks best U.S. beer to drink warm. Oh, I know, <laughs> I know. We all made the face. I, it's kind of like asking, "What's your favorite shade of burnt orange?" I, th- I think, if I had to pick one, I remember drinking some warm shiners before, and they were tolerable. So that's that's all I'm going with. I, I really try. I, Usually, if I'm drinking a beer warm, it's it's some light beer that's been sitting out. You were at we <laughs> were at a lake, and we, yeah, or, or something. So, and those are always terrible. Those are never good warm. The, I the, I don't think so, but the Shiner would probably be my best answer there, just because that's the only one I think I've had warm, not on uh, and not on purpose. <laughs> Uh, first off, shout out to Briggsy. He bought me a cold beer in Minneapolis at the Final Four. Nice. He, he's good people. Um, I would have to go with a Natterday. 
Do y'all know what those are? They're like the pink lemonade nat- natty lights. No, they make those too? Yeah, and the only reason I say that is because I, um, I was in Nashville this summer with some friends and we were playing a drinking game and had to shotgun one and it went down pretty easy. And so, like I said, you're not going to enjoy any warm beer, but that one was fairly tolerable. A natter so. day. Huh. I I was shocked that I semi enjoyed it. They've got it did not sound appealing, but it wasn't too bad. Natural Light makes seltzers now too. Of course they do. Everybody makes seltzers and now. It, it, I think uh, one of them's named the Catalina Lime Mixer. <laughs> yep. Man, and there's is, Aloha Beaches. Aloha Beaches. <laughs> yeah. There's Aloha Beaches too. So I, yeah, I would try those. Last question. It just rolled in. Matt Wells headset. Yeah, I have a question. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> <What>? <laughs> man well i mean thanks thanks for listening thanks for listening uh coach wells had said i i'm not sure what we said um hopefully it's it's gonna get better from here (laughs) oh there was one other question from chris beard scissors (laughs) which is obviously used to cut down nets um that's all they do but chris beard scissors had a great question and I hadn't, I hadn't heard this rumor. So I don't, if, if y'all have heard it, stop me, but hearing rumors that Moretti may get some reps at QB. I did see that question, not rumor, but he's, I mean, he's, he's, he's taller six than four. Kyler Murray. Yeah. yeah. He's six, four. Oh yeah. Uh, He'd be a tall quarterback. He would. It's so jarring because <laughs> he's up there with Jackson Tyner. <laughs> I know. Yeah, my first thought was like, Oh, he's too little to go out there on the football field. And then I'm like, Oh no, he's like, prototypical quarterback size. Yeah. He's probably like 6'4", you know, yeah. 190. I don't know. He's just surrounded by 6'9 guys all the time. Yeah. 6'11". Because at first I thought the same thing. I always think the same thing about Tony Parker too. Being a Spurs fan, it was always, oh man, he's just just a wee fella. Oh no, he's he's 6'3". Put, yeah. put me in the camp of yes to Davide Moretti taking snaps at QB just for the entertainment value. I mean, especially against Oklahoma, I think it's <laughs> if I'm going to turn it on and watch it, I want to be entertained, and that would be at least intriguing. Well, yeah. assuming our offensive line doesn't let him get killed. Yeah, no, it'd be I, fine. yeah don't risk injury. <laughs> it'd yeah. be fine. All right. Um, let's, let's hit to everybody's, everybody's favorite segment. <sighs> Why would anyone do drugs when they could just mow a lawn? That's an excellent question. Um, going yard. <laughs> I, I have a battle wound from my, my oh, yard. No. This 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 wrist I brace. What was going on? Um, Thought you went bowling and, and just <laughs> and just went a little too hard. And no, 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 no. So I was own. I'm I'm wearing a wrist brace for those of you that are not sitting in the room with us. Um, I actually went to urgent care yesterday. I I thought I'd broken my wrist. Um, it happened Saturday afternoon, right before I went and, and did the show. It it hurt really badly when it when it first happened, and then it didn't hurt so bad. I was like, well, it was nothing, right? Um, what happened? My dog likes to bark at this neighbor dog, and she does it in the same spot. And I, I mentioned this before. She digs when she barks, and it was like there's no grass there. It's just dirt. It's been mud because of the rain. I was backing into it to turn the mower around. Didn't realize where I was in the yard and just ate it. I slipped on that mud so fast. It's on the ground in a heartbeat. It's like, what the heck just happened? Um, yes, I, I slipped and nearly broke my wrist. Did not break it. No, no fractures. Um, and, and the, the doctor at urgent care says without doing like further MRIs and stuff, we can't determine if you've torn anything soft tissue wise. It's like, 
and it's not really worth going through all that. Yeah, because that's a lot of money. <laughs> it's, already gonna be, it's already going to be a lot of money to figure out that like I did not break something. Yeah, you know, I'm if if you if you hammered for a living or something, then you might really want to figure it out. But yeah. you can you'll keep it up. The the important question is, did it damage your lawn? No. Oh, thank God. I know. The <laughs> the thing that is damaged is my ego because it happened in front of my side gate, <laughs> which was open. Of course, I was in my backyard and my neighbors directly across the street who had direct vision into my backyard were in the front yard working. Right as I was backing into this, I, I caught their eye because I was looking out the gate. They were looking at me. I turned my head and then I fell. So they for sure saw me go down. And then they just they just did that thing where like. <laughs> like I yeah, did just oh, didn't wow, see that, huh. did I? I didn't think yeah. I don't hear him screaming, so I'm just going to pretend that that didn't Which happen. Which was a, a possibility because the mower was running and I ended up on the ground with it still going. So <laughs> it's kind of like, like no screaming, no blood. Okay, he's fine. <laughs> no weird <laughs> sound with the mower. Everything's all right. <laughs> no. Um, so I, I am in the process of, of cutting my lawn really short to get ready to to throw down some seed. But the the story of the whole thing is I fell and look like an idiot. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about your wrist. Hurt my wrist. But I'm glad your your lawn is okay. My lawn will. It's fine. The lawn's fine, except for the big hole that my dog has dug up. All right, let's move on. What did we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. Michael, what did we learn this week? I learned. And this is sort of breaking news to Kyle <laughs> that I've uh, I've been given a Hub City Barbecue judging position. I'm still waiting on mine, by the way. I, I'm I'm not going to disclose <laughs> how this came to be since I do not work for a member of the chamber. <laughs> well, don't admit it. Oh, la la wait. la la la! <laughs> wait, wait! I didn't hear that. <laughs> but it came to pass. I'm going to get to judge some barbecue and I'm really excited about it. And I wanted, I wanted to pick your brain. It's probably bad. Well, has, has, did you get to judge barbecue ever on that Kyle? No. Okay. See, I, I'm just a lowly staff member. We don't get to do the fun stuff like judge the barbecue. See, I got to do the barbecue judging for cotton fest Mm. for William Clark greens deal. And that looked fun. It was, it was pretty fun. It was really laid back. Yeah, will you share how you've become a judge with everybody, just so they know how complicated this all these processes are? Well, um, for William Clark Green, the the guy that's William Clark Green's manager sent out a tweet saying, "If you would like to judge barbecue, direct message me," and I direct messaged him, and that was I, that. I'm pretty sure that's how I ended up being a chili judge last fall. It was because I couldn't do it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Someone asked me. I was <laughs> I like, oh, man, spot. we're taking family photos during that time. And So if you want to judge barbecue or chili, just tweet at somebody and make Some the request. Person. And, yeah. Just kind of make it known that you're interested. Because <laughs> then, like, didn't you say you would like to be a chili judge and this dude reached out to you last fall? Or is it because you were on the, the Rob Bro show? Because I think it, it was it was through KKAM that you were. It was I was I was on Rob's for, show for something through Town Square Media. Yeah, I was on Rob's show for something, and I think around that time I had put my post last year about how I wanted to be the Hub City Barbecue Judge. 
I made that big plea with my resume, which is what I sent this guy that for uh, Cotton Fest too. I was like, Here, here's a link to my very serious resume <laughs> that would make me a good judge. But one thing I learned, and it's what everyone always told me, is like it's not as great as it sounds. And they're right because you get some bad barbecue. <laughs> you get some stuff that you didn't know things could be oversmoked until you've had it. <laughs> <laughs> and you just you just over smoke and you just can't get that taste of hickory out of your mouth for 10 minutes you need a palate cleanser yeah some warm shiner <laughs> yeah Gross. you know i did have some warm shiner that day i think it's delicious um but anyway that that's what i learned was that i'm gonna get to have my dream quote-unquote job i've got to take a day off work to do it <laughs> The, the greatest thing about it's this happening. is you can keep it. adding to your resume and like now have legitimate barbecue cook-offs listed and like be this bona fide judge. And I feel like it's just going to parlay itself into more and more judging opportunities for yeah. you. Word of mouth. I mean, if if you know, and, and I could I can branch out. I could judge uh, chili. I could judge chili. Yeah, I mean, people are going to be like, this guy's legit. He judged at Cotton Fest, the Chamber of Commerce barbecue. <laughs> we we missed out judging at the Red Ritter Meats barbecue cook-off. It was a weekend before the first game. Wait, there was a chance for us to judge there? Well, you sent me something I thought you wanted us to enter, and I was thinking, oh, I don't know about well, that. Well, that, that's where it started, but I mean, there was a barbecue competition that we could have snuck our way onto. Oh, I man. Bet. Okay, well, well, now we've got the clout. Correction, you could have snuck your way onto. Well, I could pull some strings for you, Spencer. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> All right. I think that'll do it for us this week on the 23 Personnel Podcast. I want to thank Michael and especially Kyle for joining us this week. Um, you will not have a post-game instant reaction podcast this weekend. Because there ain't no game. We'll have the weekend off. Yeah. Um, we will join you again next week. We do have an Oklahoma expert lined up to do our Oklahoma preview. Jay from Red Dirt Sports, I believe. He helped us do the OU preview last year. Great guy. He helped start um, Land... Land Grant Gauntlet? No. No. Nope. The Land Thieves Land account. Thieves. That's it. Yeah. Um, so tune in next week to hear that. For Michael, for Kyle, I'm Spencer. Thanks for joining us on the 23 Personnel Podcast. <laughs>